acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello, everybody. It's me, Rosie O'Donnell, and you found us again right here. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's Onward with me, your host. Rosie O'Donnell. And I am so excited to tell you a couple things that's been going on in my life before we get to my big conversation of the day or of the week, actually. Um, I got my new car. I got my new car today. I went and picked it up. You know, the dashboard is different. It's not a brand I ever had. It's a Land Rover Evoke. That's the name of it. But it's like it's like a smushed little you know, SUV. It's, it's very similar to the Volvo that I had, but I don't know why, but that's the one we got. So I'm getting the car and I'm driving it home and I am not really sure if the gas tank is full or on empty because the, I'm not used to how it lights up yet. And so there was like a white line, but then where it said empty, it was bright red. So I thought maybe they don't put gas in a new car when you buy one. I don't know. I pull into the local gas station and, you know, usually have mild anxiety when I'm doing my pumping on my own, which in California you do. You know, if you grew up in Long Island or in New Jersey especially, they pump the gas for you there. You know, I enjoy that about New Jersey. So when I pump my own gas, I have mild anxiety. So I get out and I do it all right and I open my gas little area, whatever that's called, my gas flap, and there's an actual top on it. My Volvo was topless. When you went to put in the gas, there was no screwing lid thing that goes in. So I thought, um, oh, how nice. I have a lid here. So I opened the lid and I put in the gas and, and I picked the right, you know, octane. And, and then I put the little thing down so you don't have to sit there squeezing it. And after like, you know, $8, it goes <clears throat> and it stops. I'm like, that's so weird. I, of course, get the pump that's broken, I think. And I do it again, and it keeps clicking off. So I go in, and there's an older woman in there working, and I don't think she knows very much about pumps either. And I was like, isn't there any, anybody else that could help? And she's like, no, no, I'll help you. And 
I was like, oh boy. So we get out there and she goes, oh, it's your brand new car. I said, I just drove it off the lot. She's like, yeah, you know why um, this isn't working? I said, why? She goes, it's a full tank of gas. <laughs> what an idiot. You know, obviously they had filled up the tank. And uh, so I was lucky that I didn't overflow my own brand new car and get gas all over the paint job or whatever. But I don't know. So it's exciting. It's exciting to have a new car. I like the new car smell. I'm nervous I'm going to get in an accident, but I'm usually a little bit of a nervous driver. If I never had to drive again, I would not miss it. I really wouldn't. I'm not one of those people who goes, let's go on a drive. I'm like, well, I'll go if you drive. (laughs) I can sit and look out the window and play with the radio. Then I'm pretty good. And speaking of the radio, we have a singer extraordinaire, Stephanie Mills, who as a teenager starred on Broadway as Dorothy in The Wiz. This was 1974. It was right after my mom died. And I remember I went to see that show and I was completely blown away. She's so extraordinary. She's had a wonderful career and she's had that big hit in 1980. I never knew love like this before. Now it's lonely, never more. Remember? Remember? She sings a lot better than me, especially today with bad allergies out here. I got some kind of <clears throat> going on. I'm sorry about that, folks. Anyway, she's here, Stephanie, and she has a son, a special needs son, and we're going to get into talking all about our special needs children and what a gift they have been to, to both of us. And um, I love Stephanie Mills. I love when I see her on different interviews and she's always speaking about what's going on in, in public and what's going on in, in, in the country, do, you know, equality. And she's, she's a fighter. She's an activist. She's an amazing, amazing friend and, and woman. I really, really love her very much. We taped this a couple weeks ago. So when we were talking, a lot of tragedy was happening in the, that week. Ralph Yarl was shot in the head for ringing the wrong doorbell waiting to go pick up his siblings in Missouri. And um, a woman, Kaylin, was shot to death for driving in the wrong driveway in New York. And Peyton Washington is in the ICU after she was shot for getting in the wrong car in Texas. A lot of gun tragedies. And the two Justins were expelled and then reinstated because they stood for the children who were picketing and protesting and and standing up and saying, we've had enough of these gun deaths in Nashville. And you're going to hear us talking about the fact that Trump was about to face uh, rape allegations and charges. And since then, as we all know, he has been found guilty of sexual assault. And um, yippee for that, people. That's all I can say. And thanks to E. Jean Carroll for her bravery and her commitment to, to really exposing just how horrible Trump is. (laughs) There you have it, folks. But anyway, Stephanie Mills is here, and I just love her so much. And, you know, that song, Home, when I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I remember hearing that and hearing her sing that and thinking, what an amazing, amazing woman and song and talent she is. And she was electrifying on stage. She was magical. And she's going on tour. 
She's on tour now through the new year. Um, you got to go on her website, stephaniemills.com, and uh, find out where so you can go see her. And when you do, give her a big kiss for me, won't you? Stephanie Mills is here. Here's the conversation. How are you? I'm so happy I'm to see wonderful. you. I'm wonderful. I can't complain. I was outside. I might look sweaty because I was outside in my yard doing stuff just before I came in to do the interview with you. It's the first nice day in a while, it isn't is it? It is so beautiful outside. I'm ready for summer to be here. I could tell you that. I'm ready for summer to be here, too. I was telling my brother to get me some water. I don't want him to leave because he knows how to do this. Yeah, in case it goes out <laughs> in again. In case it goes out, I am going to keep him around. That's a, <laughs> that's a good brother to have. You know, my brother does all my money. Oh, good. I yeah, do all you, my money. You see, you're <laughs> smarter than me. Well, I have a tax person, but I take my money to the bank and, you know, I have people that, that advise me, but I don't let anybody touch my money. You know, you're smart. So many people have told me horror stories, even of family members. And, I know. You know, yeah. I know. It's so hard. It really is hard. But I think, you know, the fact that we were kind of five parentless kids, you know, we all kind of have this... Uh, bond where we're all fused together like the fingers of a fist you know what i mean we're like you go through a tough childhood and you almost parent each other in in some kind of way exactly know? exactly there were six of us i had my both my parents but there were six of us three girls and three boys and you grew up in brooklyn right i grew up in brooklyn bedford stuyvesant yeah different times though can Diff you imagine oh my god it was different times these times now are so scary it makes it's no terrifying sense. yes that young boy, Ralph, shot in the head oh, by the old man. I can't even. And then the young girl. The young girl the pulled into the room. The 20-year-old girl pulled into the, they pulled, and they were leaving, and he shot them. Yes, indeed. You know, people say it's not the guns. It's guns. It's and the it's gun. racism. And it's and racism. And it's poverty. And it's poverty. Yes, it is. That's what it is. It's, it's blatant racism. Oh, my God, so overt what happened in Tennessee and when they kicked out the Justins. And I thought, this is happening in America, in America. live right now. I'm 61 years old. How are we back here? I'm 66. So how are we You look good. You look good, Stephanie So do you. <laughs> so do you. Well, thank you. We have an age, sadly. <laughs> we have we? an age. Because we keep it real and we're not, you know, during the pandemic, I thought I wasn't ready for that, but I found out that I was. But I think mm. it was the perfect time for people to realize that they didn't have to go into the office, you know, Correct. every day and do that. And, and it changed their lives to know you can survive, right? you know, in a crisis. And I don't think people really realized that they could. But now they have all kind of games, you know, with the, how, how are you going to raise the rent or raise food, eggs and everything when people haven't really had jobs coming out of a pandemic? Correct. How is that happening? How is that allowed to happen? How are we not treating people with basic human dignity anymore in this country? Respect and human kindness is at an yes. all-time low. The industry, the music industry, everything is at an all-time low. You know, we have all these different movements, but nothing really changes. Do you think, Rosie? No, I think, in fact, in so many ways, it's gone backwards. It's gone backwards that we, who we were 10 years old when we got the right to control our own bodies. And now 50 years later, they take that away from women. And think about the black people. They're trying to really put us back to being slaves. 
You're not kidding, honey. You are not kidding. <laughs> you know, and I tell people that now, like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, if you don't pay attention to what's going on in these different cities and the different laws that they're changing, yes. you are going to be picking cotton. Honey, I am so with you. It is so unbelievably systemically racist. That yes. Everyone says, because the systems don't work. No, that's how they were built. That, thank they were you. built to do this. Right? Thank to you. To oppress people and take away morale and community and dignity and humanity from groups of people. And, and you know, black people in America, I would be enraged. I, I'm enraged and I'm white, you know? It's not safe to be black in America. It's not. Um, Was it ever really, though, Stephanie? Has no, it ever been? No, it's no, never been I, safe. I, I but agree they, with you. But they try to camouflage it. Of course. You know, we have the Ku Klux Klan in the office in corporate America now. Yes. They're not riding around in hoods. Not anymore. And it's so blatant, especially with that president that we had. Right, which was the worst thing that ever happened oh, to the world. Oh, my God. In, in the last 50 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you know what I love? What's that? And I love you to death for What's that? When you got his ass told on The View. Oh, I had to, honey. I know. I had to. I know. When you were like we are and... We are similar age. We grew up in New York. We saw him for the loser he was exactly. for our whole lives. Exactly. We watched him try to sell steaks and <laughs> gin and bed. You know, we knew he never paid his contractors. Like, there were things that the news knew about him as factual that they just decided not to report on. And then they lied to the country for that eight or 10 year period, calling him the billionaire. He was never a billionaire. Forbes would never even put him on their list. And exactly. He would call up with a fake name and pretend <laughs> to be his own publicist. This is a psychotically deranged person and always has been. And it shouldn't have been a shock to anyone in the world. And, Rosie, they just gave those people that $785 million because yes, Fox will lie Yes. That's right. But they did not force Fox to make a national public apology to own the fact that they lied to America oh. about facts for the last 15 years. Exactly. And they were in bed with Donald Trump, and they are in bed with him still, and the horrible forces of the GOP that has made it destroy itself as an organization. Absolutely. What it used to stand for, it's no longer Democrats against Republicans. It's Trumpers and everyone else. Yes, it is. Yes. And to me... He should have been convicted for January 6th alone. Even before that, even yes. before what he did, I mean, it's just amazing to me how, to me, that's the epitome of white privilege. It certainly is. Don't that you this think? Man, yes, he's been accused of sexual inappropriate behavior, including rape, over 26 times. Yes. What does it take, people? What does it take? You have been shown the truth of who this man is by his own words, by his own actions, and still you have willful blindness. I don't understand. It is like they are in a cult I know. and they need to be deprogrammed. <laughs> exactly. But they were programmed by professionals. Thank you, Fox. Yes. Fox News, which is not news, which should be stripped of their news credentials right away. I have no respect for our journalists, very few journalists today, because it's all entertainment. It's all uh, totally. reality TV. And yes. it doesn't matter if the story is true or not. Correct. Just who gets it first. 
who gets it first and who can use it to their advantage in what way. Exactly. And, you know, nuance is dead. God forbid you should bring up a subject that some people find offensive. You risk being canceled. Yes. You can't even have a civil debate about issues that you can't cite facts with other people calling you names. Right. You know, it's it's very divisive. It's very, I don't know. I You know, I interviewed um, Cheetah Rivera uh-huh. at 90 years old. Wow, I, I love Cheetah. Yeah, I love her too. She's just the greatest. She's so nice and kind. Yes, and such a mother. She's yes. a great mother. She's got that daughter, Lisa, and it was two of them against the world, like you and your baby. Yes. And me and my little 10-year-old. Yes. Who, uh, is uh, on the spectrum and and so glorious and such a gift that I can't even begin to describe. I, that's why another reason I was so happy to talk to you. Yes, was because my baby. I knew I knew about your baby that you had when you were over forty, right? Yeah, you had, I, I had a forty-five. Forty-five, mm-hmm. and um, they told you that he would have Down syndrome. Yes, and tell everybody what your response was. <laughs> well, they told me I was three months pregnant, and they said you're going to have a special needs child. He's going to be. Down syndrome. They said, do you want to abort? I was like, absolutely not. I don't care if he has one eye. Right. My baby and I are going to rock this world. There you go. And you have. Uh, yes. Yes. I was determined. I mean, I, I mainstreamed him from kindergarten to the fifth grade. I sent a teacher with him mm-hmm. every day to school. She was a teacher that worked at the school where he was, and then she retired to work with Farad. And she went to school with him every day. But when she couldn't go... I went. Good for you, mommy. I went because I was protecting my child. Of course. And, and mothers have to protect your children. You have to. Yes. And I didn't let, he's not on any medication. I didn't let them put him on a whole bunch of medication to drug him up. Mm-hmm. And I, no, I was his drug. Right. I made sure he was right. That's interesting. And he's an A student. Uh, that's what I heard. He writes music. He he, he writes, a, he has a book. Yeah. The Adventures of Parajay. He's working on his his next book. That book is almost finished, but I never let anybody tell me what he couldn't do. I paid attention Mm. to what he could do and what he naturally gravitated to. Yes. And that's what I gave him. He wanted to play piano. Then he wanted to play. He thinks he can play everything. He wants to play guitar. So I'm going to start him back taking his piano lessons when things kind of calm down and we're home because I take him with me. I don't leave him because Rosie... Yeah. I would be in jail if someone hurt my child. Honey, same with me. <laughs> same with me. And I am just that kind of ferocious mother, too. I mean, my son, Blakey, um, he had a one-on-one at a school that didn't allow it, and my best friend quit her job teaching and was his one-on-one all the way through high right, school right. and college. Mm-hmm. And that was her job, and she saved this kid as much as I did and as much as God did and as much as he saved himself. It's it's a, He's engaged. He's getting married. Yay! Oh, you would, this boy is all heart. I'm oh, telling I want to meet he, him one day. I want him to meet him. Uh, he comes out the most. He comes out to visit a lot. So next time we'll all have dinner. Stay tuned for more with Stephanie Mills. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. 
And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, are you still in L.A. or did you move? No, I'm in Charlotte. I've been living you in Charlotte, are. North Carolina. For how long? For over 30-something years. I did not know that, Stephanie Mills. Farad was born here in, in uh-huh. Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I just raised him. He's upstairs and he has a man cave that he's in and he has his computers right. and everything. He barely right. comes down to say, you know what he does? I feel like I'm Hazel the maid because he'll come down and say, Mom, I'm hungry. And that's what right. he'll do. And then he's back upstairs in his man cave. But uh, he's just a joy. He's just yeah. He's just a joy. People don't really realize that if they pay attention to their children mm. and just do what their children naturally gravitate to, it's it's. I don't I don't believe in handicap or and they're special. They are very special. And to me, that means they need extra special care. This baby, when they said at two years old, what I knew because at one years old, she said, "Mommy, I've been impaled." Uh huh. 
And I was, that was a line from Frozen. Oh. Right? Little Olaf says, I've been impaled. And she as a little baby said, Mama, I've been impaled. I was like, what is happening here? You know? And, but when they first told me that she did in fact have autism, it felt like I got punched in the stomach, you know, uh-huh. until, you know, it lasted till we got back in the car. Right. You know, and then I was putting her in the car seat and we were getting her their favorite toy. And, and it was like, this too is part of my journey. Exactly. And here we go. Exactly. And here we go. And thank you. You know, I'm so thankful for her. I I'm telling am too. You, Steph, it makes you a better person. It I really, think so. it really, like when I had my child, I knew what my body was for. I breastfed him for six months. I said, uh, this is what my body is for. It's, it's, right. it's amazing what God has done for us as human beings and made us, you know? It's just yes. amazing if we allow people to be who they are and just show love and compassion. Yes, and I always knew that I would be a mother. Did you always want to, or was oh, this the, you yes. always crave, but you were working since you're 15. I was working since I was nine and 10 nine. years old. Oh, your first Broadway show, you were 11, right? I was you 11, 11 at Maggie yes. Flynn, but I was at the Apollo winning the amateur night before that. Wow. And I did uh, Captain Kangaroo and the Electric Company and all those Children's the Electric shows. Company. That was my show. <laughs> that was my show. Yeah. That and Zoom. And Remember Zoom? Zoom? Yes. So I've been in this business a long, a long time, time and have seen a lot. But to think that you started that young and then to be thrown in, you know, the lead of a most Tony winning musical at that time. I mean, I don't remember another Tony Award where they won seven. Yes. Of the, you know. Seven. But you were 17. I was 17 years old when I, and, and you know what? I didn't want to audition for The Wiz because I had gone up for so many auditions and didn't get it. So I was like, right. no, I don't want to go. My mother made me go. I went crying and everything. And then I had three auditions after that. And they told me I had the role as Dorothy. And I, I did it for five years. Yeah, and I saw you in it, you know, more I know. than once. I know. Yes. I used to get the um, half-price tickets back when it was just starting out when you were doing The Wiz and, you know, Pippin and all these shows were on. Oh, and, my um, God. Wasn't that? But you know what, Rosie? I got to thank you because you remember when I did your show and I had auditioned for Ragtime and I didn't, get the, right. I didn't get it. And you were like, you need to give her that role. Well, they gave me that role after that. No kidding. And I did it for nine, I did it for nine months. In Chicago. So I want to thank you for that job. Oh, well, Stephanie Mills, you can sing to me any day or <laughs> night. I would pay money to see you do it no matter where you are. I mean, you you went in there and, and you sang for your Wiz audition, Danny Boy, right? Was that out of... Yes, I sang Danny Boy, yes. That's such an interesting choice, an Irish like tenor folk song. But I, I used to listen to all kinds of music back then and learn all kinds of, of music because I love all kinds. And I loved Barbara Streisand because she was from oh, Brooklyn yeah. and she went to right. Erasmus and my sister and brother went to Erasmus. So I was like a fan and I would just listen to all kinds of, of songs. Right. Isn't it wild that we came up in our life at the time of the success of Barbara Streisand, like I who know. would we be? Oh my would, God! All of these performers in our sixties or or 50, you know fifties that she was the model. Like she when, was. when she sang 
I'm the greatest star. Yes, you are. Yes. Like it remains to this day, right? Funny lady, funny girl. Funny oh, girl. Oh my God. What's up, Doc, for Pete's sake? The way we were. Oh, I oh, love the, the way, way, way we, we were. were. Katie and Hubble. Oh, oh my, my God. goodness. Now, when you were doing The Wiz and you were 17, were people like that coming to the show? Yes. Did you meet all these people at 17? I met Ali McGraw and Steve McQueen. <sighs> Oh, uh, my God. Jackie Onassis and Caroline wow. Kennedy, mm-hmm. Billy Preston and David Bowie. Everybody who was anybody came to the show. It was so amazing. But you know what? I was just a little black girl singing and having fun. Right. I didn't look at it like, oh, my God. I didn't. I just, I was having fun and I was singing. Right. Because I was always singing in church. So I was like, this is just another avenue for me to sing to a lot of people. Well, the thing about your performance, I remember you were so young, uh, you know, when I was like, you're right around that age. Right. But I remember looking at you and thinking, she has so much joy. Yes. You were filled with joy in that performance in your youth and your exuberance. And I think your nonchalant kind of way of was so real for playing a kid. Yes. You know? Yes. It was surprising you didn't get nominated for a Tony for that. That was very weird. Well, they didn't like me, really. I mean, Clyde Barnes gave me a terrible uh, review back then. And uh, they didn't like me. But, you know, I never went along with what you're supposed to do in the business. Uh to get ahead. You know what I'm saying? I never like, I didn't kiss ass. I don't know how to do that. You know, I know how to be professional and do my job. Right. But I don't know how to smooge. I never, I never did. And in this business, that really counts for a lot. It really does. You know, and I'm never really a schmoozer either. Whenever (laughs) I, when I would host the Tonys or the Grammys, I would go home right after and never go to the party because I like I'm uncomfortable in parties. Right. And people always think, no, you're Rosie O'Donnell. You would be, no, I'd rather go home after I perform than go and try to talk to the other performers because sometimes it's hard. You get tongue-tied, you get nervous, you and know. And they're so fake, Some, most of them. Some of them, yes. Some of and them. It's, you know, and, and it's it's interesting. When I left my show, people were like, why could you leave your show? I'm like, I got sick of talking to only celebrities. Wow. You know? It got to be my world perspective was changed. Here in L.A., when you meet someone, they're always in show business. Right. And in New York, where I grew up, where I, you know, was raised, you'd meet a doctor and a garbage man and the guy who cleans the sewers and, a you know, a lawyer right. on the bus on the way to work or right. school. Or, right. It was a whole different kind of experience. And. I got sick of just talking to people who only had that one thing that was important to them. I wanted a bigger, a bigger breach, you know, a bigger. You wanted them to talk about something other than the movie or themselves. But so many people are afraid to talk about politics or afraid to talk about what's really going on in the world. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, I'm 66 years old. What can they really do to me? That's exactly what I feel, Steph. That's how I feel. And I heard you say that on Charlemagne the God. Oh, yes. I heard you. You you said it. I was like cheering you on from home going, you are exactly right. That's totally how I feel. Yeah. It's like. What are they going to do? Here we are. What are they going to do? Yeah. Here we are. What are they going to do? It's like you have to, especially you have a child and you have children. I would have loved to have more children. And I tried after Barack because he was so cute. And I was like, mm. oh, I could do this again, but I, I didn't get pregnant. But I just think when you have a child 
and you pay attention to what's going on, it means more. You know, it's like, I can't just talk about frivolous things. And yes, I want to say what's really factual. And if I get canceled or whatever by that, then that's, I'm, I'm real spiritual and I believe in God and God gave me my talent. And people that I knew and was around are no longer here. Right. Because I feel like they couldn't say no to the toxic people that were around them. You know, like yes. Michael or Whitney. Or, and I, I feel for them and I was so sad, you know, when they passed away. And I'm still here. And sometimes I say, why am I still here? Because I didn't play that game. I wasn't in that right. circle. Right. And you didn't fall into the gross excess I had been in a series last year, and it was a lot of work. It was an hour series, and I have this 10-year-old here that i am got to be here for, you know, got to be her little interpreter in the on the planet till she gets her bearings better, you know? Right. She's very verbal stuff. You could die laughing from what she says, but she has specific interests, and if you're not in those interests of her animation object shows that she watches on YouTube— and discusses every aspect of them. Yes. To the t- who wrote them, what episode, what voice. It's crazy and it's beautiful. And so I go in with her into the world of that. And there we live happily together, you know? My son is exactly the same way. He loves the descendants, he loves all these movies and videos, and he has to have them when he goes on the road with him. He even sleeps right. in the bed with them, like he has his little. <laughs> CDs and I'm like, but even as a child, um, he would bring Shrek and he has all those uh, and Donkey and all of them to bed with him. Right, and right. I'd be like, oh God, I got to sleep with all these hard toys. But I would because that's who he was, you know, wake up yes. in the middle of the night and come into my room. But it's such a joy because it's normal and it's natural. And that's what we have to do for our children. Yes. And sometimes... Um you know, I know for so many mothers of special needs kids like us, you know, we worry what's going to happen when I'm not here. You know, are they going to be able to do it on their own? But you're going to, you know, you can't live in that fear, right? You have to live staying right here with them in, in all the fear and pain you have to push away. Right. You know? and, and you have to make sure you have a will and trust <laughs> and trust yes. them into somebody that you know will take care of them and will love them. But you, right. like you say, you have to leave it alone and because they're so precious and they're so uh, innocent, yes. you know, and, and he just loves, he doesn't meet a stranger, but he can tell when someone's not right. He won't, mm. he won't engage with them. He That's will an interesting not. talent he has yes, there. That's a want, great thing to yeah, have. They, he will not engage. Yeah, protective instinct like yes, that, you know? yes. I saw him with you on, I think, a Tamron Hall show where yes. you were dancing. Oh, my God, I was sobbing. <laughs> Everybody was crying. The audience, <laughs> me, you, the kid, everyone. But it was so, it's so beautiful. I love how he moves. I love his cute face. I love his style of clothes. He's got such a personality. You Thank know? you. And they told me, they told me he was going to be disfigured. They said, your child is going to be disfigured. He's not going to really respond. He won't smile. What a farce that was. That was a lie. That, that wasn't was a even lie. a farce. It was that was a blatant lie. A blatant lie. Yes. A blatant lie. And we have to really uh, be on the lookout for those blatant lies. Yes. You know? Yes. When, when something is just a blatant lie, we have to, uh, you know, like they rigged, uh, the, the election was stolen. Like a our blatant government. lie. A, uh, like our government. Oh, a my. A blatant lie. A blatant lie. lie. And how they perpetuated it. 
Oh, please. You know, it's that that Hitler quote. You tell a lie, tell a big lie and keep telling it and people will eventually believe it. And that's what they did. That's like a philosophy of the head Nazi. And that's what Donald Trump does. And our government. That's what he does. Yeah. And our government. It's not you can't really blame it only on him. You know, you have to really know that this government that we've had for the last 20 years gave us him. So yes. what are we doing? What are we doing wrong? And how can we make sure that an error like this never occurs again? I know. That's what I've been thinking. I'm like, how can we? He cannot get in the White House. I know that. Please. He cannot no, get I don't in the think, White House. I don't think that. I really don't think that's possible, especially because but, Rosie, there are so many more indictments coming up. But people didn't think he was going to be president the first time. Including me, (laughs) Steph. I never thought, I said to every reporter who would put a camera near me, he will never be president. And there he he was. was. I don't really understand how someone could be so innately cruel and lack basic human compassion and empathy and be the leader of the free world. Yes. How did that happen? I don't know. I, and it's, it's not just to the United States. They're fighting it in Israel. Yes. Right? They're fighting for their democracy. They are. They're fighting in, in, in Paris. People are done with what we have all done exactly. up to this point. Then it has to be a radical consciousness shift. Radical. I really wish that you lived here so we could hang out and oh, they, our, my our God. kids would probably get along so well. Oh, they would get Anybody along. into computers she wants to talk to. <gasps> And he is into computers, phones. He knows how to work all that stuff. Because I could go upstairs and say, Farad, something is wrong with this or what, and he'll fix it. But when his computer is, is well, he'll call Derek. Derek, my computer is not working. And Derek comes over and, and fixes it. But he couldn't get it back online. But he's just yeah. amazing. He's, he's so special. Would you say it's the greatest gift in your the life? The greatest. Yes. It's the best thing I've ever done. I wouldn't change anything about him. Nothing. And I venture to say you never knew love like this before. And I never, 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 never. When he was a baby, I put that around his his little room when he he would sleep in there. But uh, he never slept in there anyway. He always slept with me. But, Same uh, with Dakota. She's still in my bed. She's 10. You know, Farad is 22, but he only comes when he gets sick. He'll come and he'll want to sleep in my bed when he gets sick, but that's it. It's funny, we chose this room, we chose the room in this house that we're renting, and she chose the room by the parkway, by the freeway. And, uh, you know, there's like the Pacific Coast Highway right here, you know? Right. And so she she always goes in her bed, says goodnight, then 10 minutes later she goes, it's too much traffic, and gets in my bed. <laughs> but that's what she does every night. Every night she realizes it's too much traffic. It's too much traffic. That is so yeah. funny. When I come to L.A. to do a show, because I come... To do a show, I want you to come yeah, to my show. When are you show. going on tour? When are you going on I tour? Leave, right. I leave the end of this month. Well, Steph, you know, I couldn't love you more. I, I feel like I, I've known you my whole life, even though I watched you on stage and gotten to hang with you a couple times. But I feel so close to you. And when I see you talking on all these interviews you do, I'm so cheering you on. You're oh. so you're inspiring to me, Stephanie Mills. I hope you know that. Thank you. You're inspiring to me because I watched you all the time. Your show... The view, I loved it when you put people in their place and get them right because people don't do that and they're so disrespectful and you never let them disrespect you. And I like that. Thank you, Stephanie Mills. I love you, Rosie. I love you too. (laughs) This was so great. We'll be back right after this break with some questions from you, the listeners.
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back and uh, listen, you, the listener, please leave us a little memo, a question, a thought, a feeling, whatever you want about the show, and we'll get to it if we can. And we have a couple of you listeners with your questions and comments. Let's hit it. Hey, Ro, it's Patrick in New York City. Um, I do have a question, but I wanted to say first, I saw you at Sweeney Todd the night you were there. Um, I have a friend in the show, too. So we got to stay after and we were all sort of like, you know, it was like 30 people milling about in the house and I saw you and I had chills from being that close to you. I no. am, you're such an icon and an inspiration and I love you so much. And 
Of course, I wasn't going to bother you and say hello because I'm a New Yorker and we don't do that. But um, <laughs> I was looking at you and I just love you so much. Um, so here's my question. I was listening to your conversation with Cameron Mannheim about the chosen family and the way you all had kids. My husband and I adopted our daughter through foster care. She came to us at six days old. We've been the only parents she's ever known. Um, and, but, you know, we've always been open with her about her story, of course. And we did have some, you know, interaction with her birth parents going through the foster process, um, but only briefly. And she is always interested in knowing about her mom. And, of course, we have very limited information She's nine now, and the other night now that Mother's Day is coming up, she asked if we could write a Mother's Day card to her birth mother. And, you know, I kind of didn't know how to answer. My husband right away said, sure. And I thought, oh, wow. And, you know, his thinking was like, maybe it'll be like writing a letter to the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus. You just want to say something nice, and then you never think about it again. I was thinking, oh, God, if she writes, a, like, a card to her birth mother, she's going to expect a response. And so I said, well, sweetheart, you know, we're not in contact with your birth mother. Um, and we talked a little bit about the birth mom. You know, again, all the same few things we know about her. And, of course, made it clear that she can always ask us any questions about it. But I'm curious your thoughts on this. She's nine. She's not old enough to really have a full conversation with about why she was, you know, in foster care, why she came to us, why, you know, her parents weren't able to raise her. And I guess my question is just, what's your advice on how to proceed in this conversation in instances like that? Um, you're a parenting role model and inspiration for you. Always have been. I love you so, so, so much. Thank you for making this podcast. Uh, I love that I get to hear your voice every week. All right. Thanks, Ro. Oh, God, I love you so much. I feel like I know you. First of all, the way you said, hey, Ro, I'm like, that's my buddy right there. I wish you would have come over to me after... Uh, seeing Sweeney Todd. And, and you know, Barry Manilow was there, too. Wasn't that a magically brilliant show? Every performance was pitch perfect. That Annalie Ashford should win every award known to man. And uh, Josh Groban is just a genius. And I hope that they, they both get the trophies and the accolades that they deserve because they're just so brilliant. Now, <clears throat> what a wonderful kind of story and question about your daughter. I have always felt that honesty is the best policy. And having a mother who left, not on her own volition, but, you know, there is that abandonment that kids feel, especially when they're too young to fully understand death and the, the transient nature of, of life itself. One uh, promise that the world keeps to everyone is you're going to die one day. You know, that's the only promise that, that we all get and that never, ever changes. And um, so I would be immensely curious if there was a way that I could possibly talk to my mom. And I know my mom died and it's a different thing, but that sort of allowed me the freedom and the understanding of just how deep that primal wound of adoption is for children and how it's our job as their parents to tell them that their parents loved them. They loved them and they weren't able to be parents because they weren't ready and prepared. And that you were wanted and they did want you and they do care about you and love you. They're not in our family right now. But when you get to be a grown-up and you're an adult, you can have any kind of conversation that you want with your birth mother. 
Strangely enough, the only one who ever really asked to speak to their birth parents when they were young, which is what your child has done, was Dakota when she was five. She was very, very verbal since she was little, and she often had questions about her tummy lady. That's what I call the um, birth moms when my kids were little. I said, you grew in another lady's tummy, and that's your tummy mommy and your tummy lady. And she carried you, and and she um, knew that she wasn't able to be a mommy. And so God looked in the tummy and found you your right match for your mommy, and that's me. That's what I always tell my kid. But at five years old, Dakota asked to speak to her birth mother. So I got in touch with her, and that was an open adoption. Um, my other adoptions were closed because 20-something years ago, it was done very differently than it's done now. She wanted to speak to her birth mother. Now, the birth mother didn't have a phone that could do FaceTime. Dakota could see the birth mother, but she talked into the phone and, and uh, saw an image of her, and she said, Hi, do you remember me? I'm the baby that was in your tummy. I just wanted you to know that when I got born, my mommy held my hand and I grabbed her pinky and I wouldn't let it go. And that's my mommy and that's where I am now. And I just wanted to tell you that so you know. Thanks, bye. And she walked away. (laughs) She said what she needed to say, walked away, and has never really brought it up again. And it's a hard concept, but you have to realize when you adopt, even from foster care in any way you adopt a child, there's been a tragedy that precipitated your union. There's a tragedy there. There's a, a wound and an abandonment and, and a, a feeling that adoptees have often of, of being displaced, of not fitting in anywhere, of not knowing who they are or what their origin story really is. So I would encourage her. I would encourage her and I would get some books and read books about adoption to her and have her write down her feelings. And and like your husband said, you know, the answer to that question, can I write a Mother's Day card to my birth mother, is yes, you certainly can. And then you're going to promise to try to get it to her, but whether or not you still have the ability to do that. And if you can't send it to her, that... You keep them for your daughter for when she gets older, or you keep a copy so that she can have an understanding of her yearnings and her desire to get to know that part of her life, of herself. It's not really about you. It's about the child. It's not about whether or not you had feelings of rejection or competition or that's what you feel is really irrelevant. It's what the child feels and how you can best provide a safe environment for them to share their feelings in life with you about such a, a deep, deep issue. Good for you, honey. You got any more questions? Send them my way. I, uh, I'd love to hear what happens. I'd love to hear what went down with, with all of that and how did Mother's Day go for you boys. And congratulations. And uh, next time, give me a big hug when you see me on Broadway, okay? <laughs> all right. We got another question. Here we go. Hit it. Hi, Rosie. My name's Kate. I just listened to your Ricky Lake episode. And in it, you talked about Melissa Etheridge's off-Broadway show in New York. I actually ran into you there, and you and your friend were so kind to talk to me for a minute about teaching. Anyway, my question is about music. I remember on your TV show, you had Melissa Etheridge on the show, and you played uh, drums while she sang Enough of Me. 
And I think the joke of the episode was like that she was letting you play the drums, even though you didn't know how. And I don't know. It seemed to me like you you did know how. (laughs) And so I was just wondering, like, how did you learn how to play the drums or any other instruments? And uh, what's your relationship with music like these days? What have you been listening to? Thanks, Rosie. And thanks so much for talking to me that day. It meant a lot. You mean a lot. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Uh, Yes, I do know how to play the drums. I wanted to take drums when I was in elementary school, and my mother said I couldn't because it was a boy's thing to do. And then she went in the hospital. And so I forged the uh, permission slip, and I took percussion. And uh, she found out about it when she was uh, ill and and had not long to live, and she was definitely not happy. And uh, my older brother, Eddie, said, you know, it's not drums, it's percussion. And she said, do you think I'm stupid? You know, I remember, I remember she got angry, you know. But um, the fact that she didn't want me to do it made me practice every single day because I wanted to get really good at it. I wanted to tell her about it when, when she came back. So the joke with Melissa is that I always ask, can I sing back up? Can I play drums for you? But like, you know, serious musicians, that's kind of insulting to say, you know, can I play uh, with you? But, you know, my friend Cindy Lauper lets me uh, go on tour and play drums with her. And and Melissa has allowed me on TV and Winona has let me sing back up with her. And those are the people I love. I love their music. I I love Joni Mitchell. And music has been a huge part of my life and and uh, career and just part of my artistry. Like the music is always underscoring everything. And and my favorite, of course, is Joni Mitchell. She scores the emotional truth of my life that woman has. So there you go. And listen, uh, next week we have something special for you. A rapper who's like 33 years old, and he's one of the biggest rappers in the world. He goes by the name Logic. His real name is Bobby. And he is the nicest, the most talented, the kindest, the sweetest guy. And his records, I mean, that's how, you know, I'm old. His CDs, his albums, his whatever, his music is just so remarkable. And um, I didn't know who he was. I met him at a restaurant. He paid for my dinner. And I never got to say hello to him. And now we uh, met people who knew people, each other. And and here he is talking to me. And I was so excited to get to really discover him. And he's been out for a long time. And I should have known who he was. But I did not. But God, do I love this guy. I love him. And he's next week right here on Onward with Rosie O'Donnell. Thank you all for uh, checking us out and for uh, downloading. I appreciate you doing that for us. So thank you all, and um, we'll catch you next Tuesday with Logic. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.